Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Online comment sections are notoriously nasty. Do they have to be? The St. Louis Post-Dispatch rolled out a new system for online comments last week, and with it, another attempt to somehow maintain civil discourse in what's become a notoriously uncivil sphere. As publications seek to facilitate real talk, without things getting too real, we'll talk to Beth O'Malley, the reader engagement editor for the Post-Dispatch, and Lindsay Toller, the digital engagement producer for St. Louis Public Radio. Do you have a question for either of our guests or just a comment about commenting? Keep it civil, please. Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Beth O'Malley, welcome to the program. Thank you. And Lindsay Toller, welcome. Hi, hi. Beth, can you tell us a little bit about this commenting system at the Post-Dispatch? When did the paper realize that you wanted a change? Uh, I, our, our commenting system used to be run through Facebook, so it was a, a free kind of plug-in that we used. And we had, you know, about a, at least one person every month kind of who would email and say, I don't want to have a Facebook account. I don't want to sign up for Facebook or I left Facebook and now I can't comment on your stories. And then uh, at a certain point, our technical person realized that Apple devices running iOS couldn't leave a comment at all. Even if they were on Facebook? Even if they were on Facebook, right. So I you know, would use my iPhone to try to comment on something, and it would kind of sit there and look like it was just constantly loading. So um, the comment system broke on us. <laughs> We reported couldn't, it. Couldn't take up with new technology. <laughs> right. So we reported it to Facebook, and Facebook um, didn't fix it and told us at one point, you know, on the ticket where other people were also saying this is broken for us, Facebook said, we don't know that we're going to ever fix this. Mm. And so we said, okay, well, Facebook's commenting system has always been lacking in several ways, so let's see what else is out there. Uh, the commenting system that we went with, World Table works really well with our the content management system that we use to post stories on our website and put them in our print paper. So they were easy to plug in um, and and go. And there are several technical aspects about that that maybe were not so easy, but for me, it was very easy. I wrote an article introducing the new system, and um, people can use the same login that they use to read our website if they're subscribers, and they don't have to be subscribers to leave a comment. So it basically allows people to comment um, without attaching their commenting identity to any type of social media. Um, We found when we first moved to Facebook or when people were using Facebook more for commenting, there was a hope that people's real names and real identities would keep them um, more civil. And we found that that generally did not happen. Uh, As I got more involved with moderating comments, I would ban people and then suddenly a person with a very similar commenting uh, style would show up Mm -hmm. and they would have a different name. And there were several commenters who had very hilarious but very non-radio friendly <laughs> names on their Facebook profiles. So there were clearly people who were setting up fake accounts just to comment or, you know, to, to do to just have a fake Facebook profile and then they would comment on our site. So uh, that was a week ago. People were finding ways to sort of get around that to, real yeah. name thing. So now at this point, you don't need to use your real name to comment on the Post-Dispatch website. Th- that's right. You don't need to use your real name. However, if you tell the system that you are using your real name, 
the system will now score commenters based on other commenters' feedback and how often they comment. Even some of the language they use in the comment, uh, the algorithm behind the system can identify insulting language. So if somebody consistently posts insults, their commenting score will decrease. If somebody consistently is flagged, their commenting score, score will decrease. At a certain point, their comments will not show publicly anymore on our stories. So that hasn't happened yet. I don't think anybody has fallen below that threshold, but of course we're only a weekend. So we definitely have some commenters who are very active and we have other commenters who have only made one or two comments. So if we give people time, some people may end up on that list. Some, or... some people may end up on that list, yeah. Okay. Now, Lindsay, tell us, you're coming at this from a, a different perspective. St. Louis Public Radio, uh, I believe back in March, mm -hmm. got rid of its commenting altogether. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what led up to that decision? Um, it was, you know, I had been here for about a year, and uh, our web traffic had started going up. We, we made some hires in our digital department, and our website was getting more traffic. But what we noticed was that the comments were not improving either in number or in quality. So it became very clear that just because more people are coming to our website does not mean that there's a, a, a greater conversation being fostered on the uh, in the comments. It, it really was the same people um, with the, kind of the same ideas. Um, the, the conversations were not like not productive you know we have we have goals with our comment we had goals with our comment section we wanted people to be able to weigh in and say this story affected me in this way or i'm connected to this story or here's something new here's something interesting the reporter should know none of that kind of conversation could happen uh because it was instead a lot of like hi i'm the i'm mr commenter i'm the one who comments first and this whole story is bunk and you know that's just not a way to kind of foster a conversation. So it became a, it became a, it became a lot of effort for a lot of I don't know the the harm kind of outweighed the good there. What about you? Do you have a comment on this topic? <laughs> Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-talk or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us um, at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Beth, we were just talking about St. Louis Public Radio getting rid of their comments. Has mm -hmm. the Post-Dispatch ever contemplated getting rid of them entirely? Um, yes, we have come, you know, thought about it. But to me, there's a value in knowing what your readers think of your, your work. And there is a participation lag. You know, 100 people may read a story. 90 will read the comments. Nine will contribute a couple of times to comments, and you know, one percent will then go ahead and dominate. and And they are like super commenters. And there are people on our site who are super commenters. They comment from a very particular perspective, and they comment on the stories that they're passionate about. And that does form its own sense of community. And so, what what we want to see is people coming to our site to get their news. And honestly, staying on our site to see what other people think about that news. So when you turn off the comments, and I totally understand why people do that, I don't think that there's like a hard black and white on commenting. Um, but when you turn off the comments, you'd force people off your platform to discuss that work. So we also have, you know, letters to the editor that we publish, and we have, we um, Facebook and social media accounts and Twitter accounts that we monitor to see what people are saying. But the comments are one of the main ways that we have kind of trained readers to react to stories. 
Joe in St. Louis just called. He didn't want to stay on the line, but he wanted to mention that he recently deleted his Facebook account entirely because of the nature of comments and discussion on that platform. I know many of us have felt that way at, at some point. And when I was discussing with friends that we were going to talk about this today, they said, oh, the comments on the Post-Dispatch stories aren't the problem. The, com- the problem are the comments that people post on their Facebook page. What yeah. Do you guys do any sort of monitoring of those? How do you stay on top of that tsunami of people waiting? in there sometimes without even clicking the story yeah the the facebook page comments are a little bit trickier than the comments on our own website and frankly they're one of the places where unless i'm told there's a problem i don't often go in and read all of those there are a lot of posts that we make on facebook facebook is the main driver of social media traffic for us so we post there very frequently and I spend my time on other things. But uh, recently with the comment switch, you know, I thought there are more comments than the ones on our site. What can I do about these Facebook comments? So I go in and I, I have been deleting some. Um, and the, the Facebook page has filters on it, so certain words can't necessarily be used mm-hmm. in, in the comments. And people always come up with creative ways to spell things. So to beat the machine, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and part of that is frustrating mm-hmm. um but yeah so the the facebook comments are one place that i'm i'm looking at a little bit harder now that we are focusing a little bit more on our comments uh but it's it's also a place where i do rely on other people to say whoa this person is way out of hand and how do you decide what to delete is this like porn where you know it when you see it um <laughs> uh, no a little bit. And there are times when I sit there and I really do think hard about how do how do I respond to this? What do I do about this comment? I mean, the direct insults to other people are it's pretty easy to be like, you know, you you can't use our platform to call another person in this comment section uh, uh, you know, bossy or or stupid. terrible things or mm-hmm. stupid or and and there's a fine line between saying well this letter writer is stupid and saying this is a stupid topic for the letter like I would leave the stupid topic for a letter but the letter writer being stupid I would not leave that one up but then I struggle with what if somebody's calling like a politician stupid and I, I kind of go toward libel law a little mm-hmm. bit on that. Not that comments are libel. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in libel law, there is a threshold that a public figure has to meet in order to say that he's been defamed or she has been defamed. So um, people can call the president stupid on our website, but they can't call each other stupid on their website. How often are we going to meet the president in real life? Mm-hmm. But I, what I want people to think of the comment section as a conversation that they're having face to face. And I wouldn't call either of you stupid face to face. Oh, you're, you. you're welcome. <laughs> um, and I would hope that you wouldn't call me stupid face to face. So that's kind of the, the standard that I hope I set in the introduction um, to the commenting section. And one that I, I try to kind of remind people of when I flag comments as uncivil, or I'll even, right now I'm trying to be a little bit more active in saying why I flagged something. I'll say, this is uncivil. Please don't directly insult other commenters. Um, are but you doing yeah. that in the comments, or are you doing it in direct messages to people? I'm doing that in the comments. I, I don't have the ability to direct message people, so it, it is a little public, and it is calling people out, which is uncomfortable. And you're doing that in the voice of the paper? Um, the I'm, St. Louis Post-Dispatch is saying that, or you, Beth, are saying that? I'm, I'm, I, Beth, am saying that. Wow. So my commenting profile is linked to my email and has my um, 
my title on it. And people have actually called the newsroom in the last two weeks or week and said, I, I made several comments and they got deleted. And I say, oh, I happened to pick up the phone at the right time. I'm the person who deleted those comments. I won't let you allude to sexual situations in our commenting section. Thank you very much. That's why I deleted the, com the comment. Feel free to repost without the offending material. Well, you, I didn't say that, but that, <laughs> yes, implied. Right. And he's continued commenting, so that so that was solved. <laughs> that was solved. And I had someone else call and, and had several suggestions for the comments, and we had a long conversation about it. So, and it was actually a very good conversation. Isn't it funny how people can be so much nicer when they know they're talking to a human being? It, it's sad because I think in, in our society we lose some empathy behind a computer screen, behind a keyboard. And, you know, I one of the things I really hate when our commenters do is when they call someone who commits a crime an animal. Mm. No one is an animal. Like, we're all human beings. So mm. that is one thing that I will remove pretty quickly because the dehumanizing other people is one of the problems that I think we have right now in society. On that note, we need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Now back to our conversation with Beth O'Malley, the Reader Engagement Editor for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and Lindsay Toller, the Digital Engagement Producer for St. Louis Public Radio. Have you been subject to nasty comments online, or have you ever learned anything from a newspaper comment section? Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air, or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. We've actually got some uh, feedback here from Twitter. I think Yay. somebody's got a really interesting question here. Um, Steven on Twitter writes, I think there is a great opportunity to build community if we can manage civility and get people out of their corners. He also asks, is the Post-Dispatch worried about people using the voting feature of the new system as a disagree button? Beth, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I actually, one of the wonderful things about the new system from, from my spam standpoint as a moderator is it has analytics behind it. So I can tell how many people are commenting, how many articles they're commenting on, and even how many kudos they're giving, uh, you know, like a thumbs up or a, this is humorous, I agree, I find this interesting, and how many flags they're giving. And so far, we have had overwhelmingly more positive feedback than flags. Um, and I've seen it being used, you know, people are really actually using the, there's a I find this interesting button, and I see that being used a little bit more often rather than a disagree button. Hmm. And, and we did have one commenter who talked about how he didn't like being flagged for an unfair comment. He felt like it was a, a drive-by flagging because the person didn't respond and say why they thought it was unfair. So, you know, I, we there is room for that back and forth. And so far, we have not seen people abusing the flagging comments. I, I, I do have the ability to um, remove flags if I feel like they're unnecessary or that type of thing. So or retaliatory. Yeah, mm -hmm. retaliatory. There are far more controls in the back end of this system than Facebook ever offered us, hmm. um, which is 
one of the another reason why the Facebook commenting system just was not working for us. And it sounds like so far it's off to a good start, at least from your perspective. I, I think so. I mean, I think we probably have had some hiccups. Uh, I hope that readers find it easy to use. It, it's very easy to use in terms of if you're already logged into the site, you just have to click a button and it logs you into the comments. So that is, is fairly easy. I think people are getting used to some of the finer controls, even the flags. At first, we didn't see many flags, and then I started seeing more, um, but by no means an, a, a, an amount that strikes me as something might be off here. Tom, one of our listeners, just sent us an email with a suggestion. He says, maybe commenters should be asked a few questions before commenting to ensure they read the article. (laughs) Beyond the logistics of how that would be difficult, I get his point. Have either of you ever contemplated some sort of system to... No, I mean, the only place we do anything similar is if you want to join a Facebook group of ours. You right. do have to answer some questions. We know you're a real person. And tell us yes. about these Facebook groups. These are these are not a public page where just anybody can see what's going on. Why did you decide at St. Louis Public Radio, Lindsay, to, to set them up that way? Yeah, well, the idea is I think that people are a lot more likely to be civil in their comments if there's a smaller community that they're talking to and if they feel like it's a self-selected community. So St. Louis, public, uh, St. Louis on the Air has its own Facebook group, and people have to answer questions you know have you listened to this it, and it's it, it, there's no right or wrong answer right you just have to say have I listened to the show before what would be an interesting topic for the show and if your answer is no and you know blank white paper you know then <laughs> th- th- that's that's fine you can still come in if you're a human and and you abide by our commenting um, terms of service now there because we're kind of hosting that conversation within Facebook we're a little bit stricter if you um, if you call somebody animal, we might not just delete your comment. We might remove you from from the conversation because right. we have a little bit more power there. Um, and it's you know it's more of an opt-in community. But because because it's an opt-in community, people are able to be more open um, and and have have an expectation that other people will engage with them, even if they disagree. It can be a safe place to disagree. And it can be easier to join that niche group around a specific topic because you feel like you already have a connection with other people. The Post Dispatch has a Facebook group for people who either are living with dementia or are caretakers for people living with dementia. And so that group we made very private and we asked several questions about, you know, what is your role and where do you live? And we've really tried to keep it to St. Louisans or very St. Louis connected people or... um, and people who, who are dealing with this. And so when they come into the group, it is a more private space where they can share concerns, where they can ask questions to each other. Um, so it, it is very different than the story than the comments on our stories, where you have this theoretically very wide readership coming together over no common you know, cause other than we read this story. And the new system also allows us to ask survey questions before you read the comments. So we haven't used that a lot. There are several things with this system that we haven't turned on yet, um, just as we're getting used to it, as readers are. So the survey questions are one thing that I am hoping that our, our writers and that I can play with a little bit more as we go forward. That was Beth O'Malley of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We're also talking with Lindsay Toller, who's here from St. Louis Public Radio, and both of them are basically in charge of reader and digital engagement at their respective publications. Lindsay, I know before you were at St. Louis Public Radio, you were at the Riverfront Times. Yeah, fellow alumna. Yes, and you had a job as the news blogger, which is one of the toughest jobs in town, in frankly, what is one of the toughest comment sections in town. Mm -hmm. What kind of toll did that take on you as a writer to be Mm -hmm. getting the sort of free-for-all comments that that publication is known for? 
Um, it took a pretty enormous emotional toll on me. Uh, it took a really big social toll on me, too. I would, How so? I would go out in the world and people would say, oh, wow, you're Lindsay Toller. Do you know what they say about you in the comments? Oh, no. And it would, you know, it would be strangers. It would be friends. It would be acquaintances. And I would always have to say no and please don't tell me. And then if, sometimes they would tell me. And, it, that, you know. and when you say no, you were not aware of what people were saying. Did you really not read the comments? Um, I, I really I stopped reading the comments, especially as the things that people said directly about me became more violent. Um, you know, it was the, the whole point of the comment section in the RFT was that it was unmoderated, so it's it supposed to be interesting and fun. And, and you know, that sort of alluded to earlier. People will come back to a story for the comments. You read a story, and then 12 hours later, maybe somebody's left an interesting comment you want to see, so you return. We really miss out on that in, in public radio because we don't have comments at the bottom of our story. Um, but also, but when you took it to the extreme at the Riverfront Times, where it was unmoderated, you could say anything. Um, and especially my job at the time at RFT, and you know, in a pre-2014 world, I was writing four to six blog posts a day. About a, really controversial stuff, too. Yeah. And, you know, more the more controversial, the better. You know, the more controversial the headline, the better. And, that, like, that was an, a difficult job. And so to, 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 like, the emotional toll it took on me just to do that job was so much that then trying to moderate the comments was just too much, especially, there. you know, I'm I'm a woman, so I got I get a lot of, I'm going to come to your house and do this and that to Ugh. you. Beth, I mean, you're also a woman, and you're there in the Post-Dispatch's Facebook page having to tell people when they're out of line, and you're doing this under your own name, not in the voice of the paper. Yeah. Do you feel like people react differently to you because you've got a female name? I, I honestly don't uh, don't know. I think you've that, never been on the other side. <laughs> well, uh, I think that people react differently because I I tend to come off maybe as a little bit of a scold. You know, this is off topic and um, don't insult other people. And so I uh, school marm. Yeah, school marm. <laughs> yeah, but that's good. The world needs that. No, it's helpful in the comment section. It's so, vital. And I I think that it it's horrifying when people use the comment section to threaten other people. And when I see that, I mean, that's not just, I'm going to delete this comment. That's like, you're not going to comment anymore. And that's one of the things that I think not just commenting sections are dealing with. You know, Twitter has this issue as well, where women especially can feel like they have a, a spotlight on them. So and because I know that I'm in that type of position, I'm pretty careful about my public profile and what I say about my family and things like that for me it was a big part of why i left rft because i left i loved that job but i could i couldn't like go out into the world anymore and have people say when whatever they had read in the comments about me Ugh. and it, it is far easier when you're behind the scenes like i um i i don't think i've been like recognized mm -hmm. somewhere but in, in reading you know the the post dispatch gets a, a lot of reaction in a lot of different ways and in reading through that and sifting through that there are days when it's really hard there are days when my mom texts me you know and says are you okay and, oh. uh, things like that so it it's hard it's hard to deal with and I think a lot of communities in in the social media world and the website you know on, online on the internets are trying to figure out how do they deal with this Beth, we've got another question from someone that it's a tiny bit off topic, but I think it's close enough. I'm going to let it in. Um, Christopher from South County asks, how does the Post-Dispatch decide where content is placed on its website? He adds that there are mugshots posted each month, and he wonders if that is clickbait or what the point of posting those is. Not to make you answer on behalf of the t entire no, paper, but any thoughts right. on that? Sometimes that, that is part of our, Lindsay and, and my role as, as, you know, kind of people who interact a lot with the community. Um, 
how do we decide where to put things? That's, that's kind of a tricky question. We try to make sure that we're highlighting things that we think people will be interested in and that we can tell that people are interested in terms of how many people are reading a story. But uh, we also highlight things that we feel deserve to be highlighted. Um, there's a lot of news judgment that goes into that. So if, if Christopher has a specific question about a specific article, he can certainly email me or, uh, you know, uh, it's bomalley at post-dispatch.com or I'm on Twitter. I'm PD Beth on Twitter. Uh, in terms of the mugshots, what we do with that is we don't just get mugshots from the police department and put all of them online. These are mugshots for people and crimes that we have covered in the last month. So they are, they're mugshots of crimes that we are going to continue covering in the future. So for example, Pamela Hupp, we had her mugshot in our monthly roundup. We had Steve Stinger in our monthly roundup. So both of those cases are high profile cases that we're going to follow up on. But even some of the smaller cases that we cover in print, we put those mugshots in, and we we link back to the article from each person's name. So we say more, and there are places who do this kind of more. Um, here's all the people who are arrested. That's not what we're doing. We're doing. Let's take a look back at the last month and see who was who we covered. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about how comments can go bad, but do either of you have an example of when comments do good? Uh, not in the last ten years. Oh, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, what about you? I mean, we, we have readers who point out uh, questions about something um, in a comment or who point out typos in comments. And sometimes they don't point it out so nicely, but they point it out. It so is I helpful, can, right? I can then fix it. Um, so with, with the amount of writers that we have and uh, the number of editors that we have, unfortunately, sometimes we miss a name in a caption we miss a name in a story and our commenters are quick to tell us when we do that and so the the only thing that you know i can do is say thank you for pointing that out and i try to leave it at that and so there is a nice way it's it's sort of a quick way people can get in touch with you yeah it's a quick way people can get in touch with us and we have i have passed on you know here's somebody who's saying this about a story, um, I pass on questions that commenters have, things like that. And sometimes it comes back and we're like, oh, we're, we, were, we don't know. We don't know any more information. And sometimes we can make the story clearer because of the comments. So, um, Lindsay, just I guess one last question. Now that you guys are in this comment-free zone, do you feel like people have chosen other ways to reach out to the station that instead they're going through Twitter or things like that? Or do you think people are keeping it to themselves. I thought they would go through Twitter, um, but they've come to us through email. Hmm. I have, I, I come to work every day to like a totally full email inbox. People send me, you know, they'll read our stories and then they'll send photos of things connected to, you know, you know we did, we did a, a Curious Lewis story about Castlewood State Park for recently, for example. Mm-hmm. And people sent me like all these old vintage photos of Castlewood State Park, including one of a bunch of uh, laborers in a quarry, totally buck naked except for giant leaves <laughs> over their special parts. <laughs> It's the cutest, most beautiful photo, and you would never be able to put that in a comment section. Now, I'm not certain what I should do with this because I don't think people are sending it to me to make it public. So, I, you know, I've thought about like a roundup from the emails, like look at all those comments people are sending us via email. But I'm not. I I, I, I kind of like that they're just talking to us. They're then, still reaching out. Yeah, and then I forward that stuff as as you know appropriate to the reporters, and they reach back out. So I've got lots of emails, and then also lots more Instagram uh, DMs. That was Lindsay Toller, the digital engagement producer for St. Louis Public Radio. We've also been talking to Beth O'Malley, the reader engagement editor for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you for having me.
This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.